morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go Ye There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we are elated to have you with us today. You know, staying healthy on the field has to be one of the biggest concerns that missionaries face. It really doesn't matter if you're just arriving or you've been on the field for years. It's one of those areas that has cut short the ministry of many missionaries. Today, we're going to talk with an expert and dig into the subject. And let's head into the open. In 3 John 2, John writes to Gaius, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. I would say that this is probably the most common prayer offered for missionaries as well. Of all the things about going to the mission field, dealing with health issues has to be the scariest. We live in areas that we can't drink the water, Cleanliness standards are completely different than what we're used to. Insects carry all types of diseases. Access to medical care is suspect. And even doctors in the States may be at a loss to explain things picked up in other countries. As missionaries, we're under no illusions and constantly pray for God's protection. In today's episode, we're going to talk with a true expert in the field of travel and medicine, Dr. Deborah Mills. She's going to share with us from her years of experience things that are going to help us in our fight to maintain good health as we seek to serve God. Since we know in advance that this area can not only mean an end to our time on the field, but to our life as well, we want to give it the attention that it deserves. Let's get started. Our guest today is the travel doctor, Dr. Deborah Mills. Dr. Deb is a renowned expert in the field of medicine and travel. Her book, Traveling Well, The Must-Have Guide to Enjoying Good Health While You Travel, is now in its 19th edition with over 200,000 copies in print. Dr. Deb operates her own two travel clinics in Brisbane, Australia, and has experience on all seven continents and in over 50 countries, which means no matter where you are, her advice is relevant to your situation. Dr. Deb, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Lena. Dr. Deb, because of the length of our stay as missionaries in our host country, it's not a matter of if we get sick, it's a matter of when we get sick. And since most countries don't have access to good medical care, what can we do to be prepared for illness? Well, Leland, it's such a good question. And there are many things that missionaries can do before they go, increase the likelihood that they are going to get sick. And one of the important things, and and a lot of missionary organisations have some things in place, but if they don't, it's really important to do this. And that is to firstly see someone preferably someone with travel medicine expertise, about the destination that you're going to go. Even if it seems like a fairly safe place, many people have gone before, everybody's health is different. And getting specific advice for your destination, your project, not only benefits the missionary, but it also benefits the people you're going to serve. You know, it's, you're no use to them if you're sick, as it were. 
And one of the important things is to get this done early. Ideally, we'd say at least six weeks before departure, get the vaccines recorded in a little vaccination book so that you know for future trips what you've had. Many people lose their vaccination books. It's really important to have the normal childhood vaccines up to date. Things like polio, measles, um, chickenpox, tetanus, diphtheria, whooping cough, hepatitis, all those things really need to be updated, as well as any vaccines which may be specific for the destination, such as yellow fever, meningitis, Japanese encephalitis, and to be screened for tuberculosis. Because, for example, I have patients who come to me and they say, Dr. Deb, I've just had lunch with someone. He was coughing and spluttering. We found out that he has TB. What do I do? If you've done all the screening beforehand, it's much, much easier. Even basic things like medical and dental checkups, getting a malaria plan. So if you do get a fever when you're in country, you have a plan. So you're not sort of suddenly trying to invent this plan when you're sick. Having good travel insurance, um, preferably one with a hotline. So if you're really unwell, you've got someone to ring. And mostly learn how to treat the common problems. As you so rightly said, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And if the people are knowing how to treat diseases like respiratory problems, coughs and colds, wounds, pain, even culture shock, it just makes life so much easier. We have a system that we use for the treatment of travellers' diarrhoea, for example. If someone has a gut problem, which is really the most common thing that people get. About 50% of travellers will get it, and the longer you stay, the higher the rate. And if you get travellers' diarrhoea, it's mostly due to a bad germ in your gut. And if you're really sick with it, and that means more than three loose bowel motions in 24 hours, plus some other symptom like nausea, stomach pains, perhaps blood in your bowel motions, that is travellers' diarrhoea, and that needs to be treated with an antibiotic. And the right antibiotic depends on where in the world you are and what your past health has been. But if you get sick with these symptoms and then you can pop these three drugs, it sets your watch for six hours and if you're better in hours, you know, it's a problem averted. So having the skill and the information to treat these kind of things quickly is very, very important. And, and I guess the other thing is have a plan when you're in country. So how are you going to get medical care? You know, how far is it to the nearest hospital? Who's got the vehicle? When are the flights leaving? Who should I speak to if I really feel that I'm having trouble so that you have you have a health plan in place? And I think that really goes a long way to making sure that you know if these things do happen, it's not a catastrophe. Um, and the other thing would be to be very aware that the most common reason that people have major problems in, in developing countries particularly is motor vehicle crashes. And if you can do things like travel in the best vehicle, which is usually not a motorbike if possible, not the backs of trucks, um, with the best driver, which is often not them, um, it's someone that's known to the organisation, and the best time of day, which is not nice. You know, as missionaries, we want to fit in with the people in our host country, and we normally don't want to offend anyone. Many times that means eating where the people eat and whatever is set in front of us. Is this safe or wise? Well, look, absolutely, this is a very common problem. And the general food rules are very well publicised, things like boil it, cook it, peel it or forget it. Um, but the secret is that there are actually quite a lot of studies showing that even if you do that, sick. So it's not the end of the world if you do actually have to eat food with the locals that you perhaps would not otherwise eat. So don't sort of completely panic, I guess, is the first thing. 
if you're already feeling unwell, then of course, you, you know, what I say to people is try and bemoan your Western stomach and say, look, I'm sorry, but food, it looks delicious. Um, I, I say to people, try and be enthusiastic about something that they have. Say things like, oh, gosh, I could just love a cup of tea. I'm just not able to eat anything at the moment. My Western stomach's not going to cope it. Oh, could you make me a cup of tea? That would be just fabulous. Because the people want to be hospitable. They want to share with you um, their, their kindness. And so you need to give them a, a venue for that, a, a mechanism. Don't just sort of say, oh, no, I'm not going to eat this. So try and think about what you can be enthusiastic about um, to, to give them an avenue to be, um, to be kind to you. And perhaps I've had people say, look, sometimes I say, what? sometimes the missionaries will say, I'm just not well today, but could I take a photo and make a big fuss and try and change the subject uh, to something else? But I guess if all else fails, bear in mind that if you can choose food that's cooked, then you'll be much safer. And if you do get sick, have your gastro treatment at the ready. Because sometimes it's, you know, it's more important to bond with people than to worry about that you're going to get sick. And, and you know, many people are not. If, um, if you can have food that's reasonably well cooked, it's going to go a long way to decreasing your chance of getting gastroenteritis. Let me ask you another question. Insect bites are normally visible. Worms and parasites, on the other hand, are not. We know about getting parasites through, let's say, undercooked foods. But how else do you get them, and how do I know if I have them? Absolutely. Well, of course, with the insects, avoiding mosquitoes also avoids many other things. In some parts of the world, there are sand flies that carry a disease called leishmania, which causes a sore which doesn't heal and, and can eat away at parts of the tissue. So avoiding insects avoids many different things besides mosquitoes. And using mosquito repellent regularly is very important. Putting on the repellent after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, you can soak your clothes in insecticide, which decreases your risk of getting other insect bites. And... Um, that will decrease your risk and, of course, bed nets and there are some parasites that you can get where the fly lays its eggs on clothing which is outside and then you wear the clothing and the little fly maggot burrows into your skin. So drying your clothes inside is very important. There are some parasites which can jump on when you're walking. For example, there's one called a jigger flea and the jigger flea will jump on sandaled feet burrow into the toe and cook the jigger flea's baby eggs in the juices of a person's toes. So closed shoes is no regular repellent. Certainly what you mentioned, Leyland, about the food, it's very important to have cooked food. That will decrease your risk of parasites. But sometimes these parasite eggs are just in the environment. The Ascaris worm is amazing. It can lay 200,000 eggs a day. And in the poorer parts of the world, these worms are everywhere. So chewing your fingernails, um, touching your face when you've been touching the environment. If you have been doing up shoelaces, very, very dangerous thing to do unless you've washed your hands. Other germs, if you like, which can come from other animals. So many of the, the U.S. listeners will be familiar with rabies. If you get an animal bite in the U.S., of course, it's fairly straightforward. You go and get rabies treatment and you're fine. But in many parts of the world, the treatment for rabies is simply not available. So keeping well away from any animal is very important. And, and we often hear people say, oh, I won't pat dogs, so I'll be okay. And that's not enough because the people I see bitten are not patting dogs. They're usually just walking past the animal or the, 
some I've had patients who've been sitting in a restaurant and the dog's been under the table and they've moved their foot and got a bite. So being very careful with um, dogs and food and water and insects is it's certainly terribly important. The main warning sign that I wanted to mention when it comes to tropical diseases is a fever. If you have a temperature or a fever above 98.6, I should be above 100 using your um, scale, you really need to go and see a doctor and get some sort of screening done to check that you don't have a serious disease. Malaria is particularly dangerous. And the shortest time between getting a fever and being brain dead is 60 hours. So you can't afford to wait with a fever. Most other things you can wait and see, but if you've got a fever, you really need to get that checked as soon as possible and put in place your defence, your medical emergency program. Does the fever issue apply anytime? Like if I get a parasite through eating undercooked food, or does it only apply if we're talking about getting some sort of an insect bite? Well, the thing with fever is you can't often tell where the fever is coming from. If you have a fever and you have diarrhea or you have a big sore toe or you have some other localizing symptom, then you can be fairly comfortable that the fever is coming from whatever that is. But if you have a fever and there's sort of nothing specific it's likely that the fever is coming from the bloodstream and the fever in the bloodstream is particularly dangerous because it gets everywhere very quickly and people can rapidly deteriorate to a point where it's very hard to treat them. So fevers are very much in context and that's where sometimes it's good to have someone to ring. We have a look that, that you mentioned earlier, look up the details in the book and it tells them if you have a fever, do this and if you don't. So it's got lots of information on how to assess their symptoms. And having that sort of resource is very important. There's another book called Where There Is No Doctor, and that's quite useful for more serious conditions in the developing world. Fevers, you're right, can happen from a wide variety of sources, but it's the ones that don't seem to have any particular localising source that we worry about the most. Okay, Dr. Deb, one more question. Let's say that I'm a missionary and I'm starting to notice changes in my health, but the doctors and hospitals in the areas where I am are not exactly the best. What do I do? Look, I think the first step is always to go and see the local medical. Bear in mind that they don't have the diagnosis facilities that they would have in the US or Australia. So that you may sort of treat what they tell you with a grain of salt. I would avoid having injections because in the developing world, the doctors often love to give injections and injections carry risks of disease like HIV, AIDS or hepatitis C. So I think if someone offered me an injection, I'd be extremely dubious as to have that. But sometimes you can get quite good advice. They're quite good at treating local problems, but not so much more serious problems. For example, if some um, someone found a lump somewhere perhaps in, on their skin or they found a black spot that was changing colour, you would really need to get more advanced medical advice. If you were to a missionary organisation, there's usually some form of plan. So if you got something, you would ring perhaps your travel insurance hotline or the medical advisor for the organisation. I know I do that with some of the groups that we look after here. And, and someone can ring and say, well, look, I've got I found this lump in my breast or I've got this black spot which has changed what should I do? And then you can get medical information. But um, it really is very difficult to give an overall rule because it's so dependent on the millions of things that can happen to people. Okay, I cannot resist asking this. I'm listening to what you're saying about the different things that I need to do. But 
as a man in particular, sometimes women as well, but mostly we as men don't like to go to the doctor. And our approach is normally just, well, let me wait and see and kind of keep an eye on it. And then if it gets worse, I'll go to the doctor. What would you say to the men in the group who say, wow, I, I really don't want to go to the doctor, but I'm starting to wonder if I should get this checked out? But that's such a, such a good question, Leland. It really is. The, um, once again, it is very difficult to say, but it, the trick is if things are getting worse, if something is fairly stable, you can probably you know, keep an eye on it. But if things are getting worse, or you know the lump is getting bigger, or the pain is getting more. Then there's really no evidence to suggest it's going to suddenly go away by itself. You know, people say, "Oh, I'll just wait and see." But if it's deteriorating, you know that it's just going to get worse. But I think you can safely watch something for a day and see what happens. But I think having a phone call that you can make without necessarily going to a doctor, but having someone you can ring and say, "Look, this is what I've noticed. You know, should I be worried about it? Can I go and see someone?" It's a different world when you're working in this kind of missionary environment. You can't afford to be selfish and say, oh, I'm just going to wait and see. You actually have to treat your body almost like men would treat their car. So it's it's one of those things where you have to sort of bite the bullet and, and get these things checked properly because otherwise you can't do the job that you're there to do. You know, like they say, put on your oxygen mask first before you help others. It's the same principle. Wow, terrific information. Before you go, can you tell us a little bit more about your book and how we get a hold of it? Uh, well, Leyland, thank you so much for asking. The, um, the book has been out for a very long time. It's now in its 20th edition, and it's been tweaked over the years by all the travelers who've written to me and said, you should have told us more about this or that. The book is available online, which is easy for travel because too much paper is too heavy. And it has a web address, and the web address is travelingwell.com.au. But, of course, it's an Australian book. It's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-I-N-G-L.com.au. All the medication names are listed as their generic names, so they're international names, so it's not too sort of Australian. I hope people haven't had trouble with my Australian accent, but um, we try to make it much more of an international book, so it is useful for all nationalities. And I've had patients send me copies of the book from all over the world, which is very sweet. Lots of useful information about before people travel and then what to do if they get sick. That is the most important, uh, most popular part of the book. And we also have an app, which is available in the iTunes and the Android stores, and it's called the Travel Health Guide, and it has um, a symptom searcher so you can search for fever or rash or um, whatever and it will tell you what to do and when you need to see a doctor and when you can wait and see. By the way, Dr. Deb's book is also available on Amazon for all U.S.-based listeners. I know that Amazon is one of our favorites, so you can go on there and you can search for a book and find it. Dr. Deb is also a great follow on Twitter or on Facebook for medical travel advice. You can find her at drdebtraveldr. Dr. Deb, this was an awesome interview. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Absolute pleasure, Lennon, and best of luck to everyone's projects. Let me just share one personal story as we finish up. You know, this past week, we had to go to the emergency room for the first time by ourselves since arriving here in Brazil. You know, there's a certain amount of fear that comes along with going to the hospital, especially in a country where you don't speak the language. 
One piece of advice that I want to share that might help you is to write out a complete medical history for each member of the family and then have it professionally translated into the language in your country. Take the time to list things like blood types, allergies, past surgeries, or anything else that you can think of. You may have a longtime missionary friend that can help with the translation, but even for them, if medical terminology isn't something that they use regularly, then they may not be the best person to use. Three different times while we were at the hospital this past week, different people asked about medical history. I wonder how many medical problems that missionaries go through are because of accents or mispronunciation of words or different things that could be avoided if we walked in with a medical history already translated into the language that the doctor is going to be able to understand. You know, the other thing that it does for you, a lot of times there's one person in the family that speaks the language a little bit better than everybody else, and they feel a little bit more comfortable getting into different situations. Well, if there's a medical emergency and that person isn't available, the other people of the family can feel more comfortable to head to the hospital, and it allows them to get that treatment that they need. So it's just an idea that may help you if you take the time to do it. Okay. I know that everybody listening is not in a third world country, but I can't imagine that there's a missionary out there that wouldn't benefit from hearing at least some of the information that Dr. Deb provided for us today. That's why we need your help in getting the word out about the podcast. We've had a few questions so far about how to listen, so let me just review. Anyone with internet access can listen to the podcast from our website. But if you do listen from the website, make sure that you sign up to get email notifications each time that the show is available. Remember, we also want you to get involved with the show. If you have questions, potential show topics, or just need to get in contact with us, you can do that on Facebook or on Twitter at GoYeThere. You can also email us directly at contact at GoYeThere.com. Remember to access our website for show information, upcoming episodes, or any other questions that you might have. Our next episode is all about resources. One of the things that we want to do on this show is help you by making you aware of resources that you can use in ministry. Our next show features two great guests. We're going to share a Bible resource with you that will regularly ship you a box of Bibles in your country's language on the field at no cost to you. We're also going to be talking with a supplier of children's teaching resources that are available in a host of different languages that are available to download over the internet in the country that you're already living in. We hope that you'll join us.